Welcome to the Restaurant Reality Show, the weekly podcast that promises to share the real stories that take place behind the scenes in the food service world. I'm your host, Sam Knoll, the founder and president of the website consultancy, samknoll.com, as well as a 20-year veteran of the restaurant industry and a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America. Now, today I'm talking to Jason Gell, uh, who's been a great friend over the years, as well as a business partner at times. Now, Jason is an interesting interview as he is what I would call a former restaurant employee as these days he is the head of marketing communications for a division of one of the world's larger biotech companies. It's a slight departure from the restaurant world, but as I said, he's a great friend who I knew had over 10 years in restaurant kitchens and was full of interesting stories that we are going to share with you today. So let's get started. How you doing? Uh, busy, uh, very busy. Yeah, we've we're, we got a couple big meetings coming up and been prepping for them. And uh, I'll be happy when we're on Christmas break. Let's put it that way. How about yeah. yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same. I've just got so many balls in the air. It's kind of nuts right now. So, mm-hmm. which is good. So, yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes to be bored. That's right. Not at all. So. Well, this I knew this would sound weird having me, you know, get you on here. I'm gonna keep moving around because this thing's bothering me. But anyways, um, because I know you have nothing to do with the food service industry at all right now. But <laughs> I knew you had some history, and uh, and so I thought I don't know. I figured it, it could be a little fun just to get you in and just find out. I mean, it's interesting, kind of even how you got into it, why you did it. Um, mm-hmm. I think, did, did you meet Jennifer, your wife, where you were working did. or did you know her before that? Or, you know. No, no, I, 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 uh, I met her there. I uh, started, I started in restaurants when I was 16. It was my first call it, real job. Um, you know, before that, a paper boy, worked on a farm, uh, cut cabbage, broccoli, picked corn, threw hay, and um, really? restaurants were like, wow. yeah, it was my first stable job, let's call it that. And yeah. um, uh, and I remember when I first started, she was, uh, I remember it, because they wore these, it was Haas's Steak and Seahouse was the restaurant, and um, it's, a, it's a chain, but it's primarily in, in Pennsylvania, there's some in New York, uh, they're okay. they're still around yeah. um and uh i was doing my my like rotation thing in the beginning where they're doing the walk around and everything she was bagging trash cans uh she was a waitress at the time and uh they had these when we first started they wore these like i swear it was like a little house on the prairie kind of dress looking <laughs> thing um they were white with like like poofy shoulders and like uh yeah it was it, it so i i remember um i remember when i first saw her and we didn't date for a whole bunch of years after that because oh, she's really? a couple of years she's a couple of years older than me and you know when you're 16 you know dating somebody who's a couple of years older than you is like a big happen. deal yeah <laughs> no <laughs> so we didn't date until i was in college actually so it was probably about wow. uh, half a dozen years or so but we knew each other obviously the whole time yeah, that's pretty wild i didn't realize all of that that's kind of cool 
Oh yeah, I got a lot of, I do have a lot of restaurant years under my belt. I guess I should say that probably about 10 years I spent um, working there. There you go. I was a dish man uh, for several years. Uh, that was my, that was where I cut my teeth in restaurants. And, um, you know, then I, I graduated to, uh, to well, line. Like I worked uh, at just the end line where I did all like the, the final finish crap. That's where they put the new guys. And then I moved over, you know, gradually to like Fryer, which is where they put the new guys that are half decent. And then, you know, <laughs> exactly. eventually ended up being a grill man, uh, you know, so doing the steak and seafood. Still have the still have the scars to prove it uh, all over my arms. <laughs> I do too, dude. It was really funny. Uh, the other day, I don't know why, I, I, I found myself like looking at my right arm. I was like, man, I've got like nine or 10 scars down my arm here that I never even pondered. You know, and my fingers look like, you know, I've like been fighting somebody in a, you know, back alley or something. And it's all like little cuts and whatever else from working yeah. in restaurants. <laughs> I remember, um, I remember when it was relatively early um, when I started, I started frying and uh, you, you learn this stuff as you go, but a uh, you know, big bag of French fries and, you know, took it, chucked the whole thing in the fryer, dumped the basket in it. Of course, there was a whole bunch of ice in it, but oh, it nice. damn thing boils way over. And I had this, it splashed up and I had a blister on my arm. Literally, it was about that long and it blistered up. <laughs> it was like probably instantly. about that far off of my arm. It was the grossest looking thing. Um, and I remember going to this when I was still in high school. So I had to go to high school with it. It was probably like on paper, it was probably a third degree burn. Totally. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, pop it. You know, eventually the skin will peel off. I had oh, so yeah. many of those. I used to get them. And we had um, those clamshell grills. So the top came down and then there was a drawer, mm -hmm. pullout drawer on the bottom. And then towards the end of the night, um, you know, they're really hot. So grease would build up on them. And then um, when you go to pull the clamshell in, uh, back out on the, or pull the drawer out on the bottom, um, inevitably at some point in time in the night, um, you know, grease would build up on the top grill. And as mm -hmm. you reach under it, it would drop boiling grease down on your hands. <laughs> and it was like, the, it was the only instant massive blister that you could get when we worked on the grill. Everything else was just like, you know, bump this, scrape that, whatever. But like off the cross, across the top of my hands, I used to have the constant blister somewhere from it. Always there. Always, yes. Never ended. I, I also remember um, a place that I did my externship up in, uh, in New Paltz, New York. Um, one of their little trials for, the, for the, uh, the guys doing the externship was they would stick you on the grill, but they would give you this set of like tongs that were like this long, you know, I mean, it was like the shortest tongs they could give you, which really meant that your hand was almost touching the grill the whole time. It was so hot. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable. And that was truly trial by fire. You know. <laughs> but, uh, well, hazing, that's part of it, right? You have to haze is. the new guy. Yep. We do. I, I remember vividly um, one guy starting, and uh, the traditional hazing method was always cleaning the grill at the end of the night. Um, so, you know, we had the, I don't know if you, you, I'm sure you've used them. You were in restaurants a lot longer than I was. Those grill scrapers with the metal oh, razor yeah. blades on the end of them. Yep. So, you, you know, you dig in and then you have to scrape. So we, we had this one um, just really old crap grill scraper 
and nobody ever used it for anything. It was like the one that you would use to get like the big chunks off the grill and it was super, super dull. So we always gave them that. And, you know, instead of, instead of turning the grill off um, and then letting them work, we turned it up as high as you could turn it up. So the, the damn thing was so hot. And then we put on like all of the PPE gear that we could find in the entire restaurant. So he's got like an apron. He's got these big ass gloves that have probably been sitting in a corner for six months. He's got these big goggles on that. Of course, (laughs) like in the traditional, um, in the traditional cartoon fashion, we covered with grease on the edges. So when he put them on, there was like the grease line and, uh, and then uh, I'm trying to remember what else we did. We did some up something else. I don't remember what else we did. And he was on that damn thing for like 45 minutes trying to get it clean. <laughs> and then uh, I felt so bad too because I think he quit. <laughs> after it. <laughs> no, he quit. He quit once they found once he found out that they were screwing with him. <laughs> and I think it was even. It was one of those monumental, like, like I hate you guys. You're the worst, and throwing his stuff up and walking out, kind of quit, <laughs> which only made everybody else like lean into it even more. It was pretty, yeah, exactly. it was bad. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. Not one of my highest moments in my uh, my restaurant career. <laughs> I was trying to think. We uh, one of our our other hazings that was fun was um, we would send a new employee down like from our kitchen to a, a, a restaurant down at the South end of the beach to pick up the quote, the old Bay grinder, which <laughs> didn't exist, but you know, and, and so they would go down to this, the South end and they'd, they'd, you know, they wait around, they come in, they say, you know, they finally get to talk to the chef, whatever they say. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sam from up at wherever sent me down to pick up the old bay grinder. And they'd say, Oh, Oh, well we lent that to, and they'd send them further up the beach to another <laughs> restaurant where they, you know, and, and they just kind of get sent around to various places around the beach and I, I actually worked one place where a guy in the kitchen created this box that he like stenciled this old, he did like got the old bay grinder on the side of it and got a little of their logo and he put on it and he had a cinder block in the thing. It <laughs> <laughs> was a good running joke there. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it was, it just, it just kept going, you know, from restaurant to restaurant, everyone knew what was going on except the new guy. You know, and so at least that one, they'd they they'd have to carry around with this cinder block and bring it with them, you know, to get back there. So no, our, ours were always more, um, generally speaking, more passive. There was always uh, always a guy that was doing something stupid. Um, you know, some of them got escalated somewhat. I remember one point in time, we actually hauled uh, hauled a you know one of those. 30 gallon trash cans up onto the roof um, and then filled it with water and then filled that with ice. And then we waited till one of the dish guys came out and dumped it on him, (laughs) which was a different level of hazing. Yes. There was some of that going on. And then there was always uh, I, I, the other one that was uh, the other one that was good was when we we decided it was kind of slow on a Sunday. Um, and did you have those little um, those little I don't know what you call them. They were like these little 
containers with those white screw caps. They're probably about eight ounce containers, something like that. Yeah. We used to reheat rice. You portion out oh, rice yeah. and them like rice peel off and then you chuck them in the microwave for a minute, whatever. Um, and we did this competition to see who could make, um, who could make the best bomb from it. Oh, nice. uh, baking soda and vinegar bombs. So we, we went through multiple iterations. It was very scientific by the way where we, we tested uh, different layers of tape, sealing methods, uh, amounts of vinegar, types of vinegar. We put a lot of effort into this, but we got thwarted towards the end when one of them was um, probably a bit too successful and our manager was problem. less than pleased. It was loud. It was like, it was really loud. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that going. Um, but it's it's funny because now now it's gone f- full circle because I remember you know both of us neither one of us work in restaurants anymore it's yeah, been a long time I was long while long while probably twenty years at this point um, but I I did ten years my my formidable years as a youth uh, were spent primarily in restaurants and my wife as well um, she did longer than me she was probably fourteen thirteen or fourteen years going the stretch from you know. Uh, hostess to to waitress to to dining room manager to store manager she did that whole run Um, so she was in it a lot longer than I was Um, but then I remember coming out and I remember thinking you know never again won't do that won't have my kids do that but now I have a kid who works in a restaurant ah which which one of them Ashton my older boy works in uh well, he's a dishwasher, believe it or not. That's good. <laughs> at I, a at a pizza shop. I I have this this feeling that that every child needs to work in a restaurant, whether they're washing dishes or waiting tables or, you know, I mean, because all these things, it's for one, the people you interact with in restaurants are totally different than I think anywhere else in the world. It's this bizarre <laughs> group of people you know, that seem to harbor and, and work in restaurants. And I think that's a little eye mm-hmm. opening. It could be good or bad, I guess. But, yep. then, um, but then the waiting tables thing, or being a bar back or, you know, something like that, or even a busing. I mean, you get this totally different look into how people interact with each other. You know, so suddenly you can end up with, you're waiting on a group of 10 people and, you know, and they say, oh, the service was impeccable. We loved it. Everything was fantastic. And you get like a $5 tip, you know, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, it's just, um, I don't know. And then you could you could wait on another couple and they, they have a somewhat simple meal and you could end up with a $50 tip from them. I mean, it's just, it's the way yeah. people think about other people and what they do for them. And I think that's a little eye-opening, you know. Yeah, I I never worked. I, I never worked the front of the house ever. Maybe like yeah. a couple. There was always like a couple times where I was like, "We need a bus. We need a bus, or you know, go out." And it was like the greatest thing in the world. You get to go out, and, and I didn't have to work with customers. Thankfully, you get enough view into people when when you're cooking, right? When they start to send your food back, and you're like, That's "Perfect. Why are you sending that back?" And then you send it back <laughs> out again, and it comes back again. We had a guy. Um, you know, like there's your regulars, every restaurant has your regulars. And there was always a a couple of really weird ones. Like I'll I'll tell you about a couple of them. There was one guy who would order. And I still remember my wife and I were just joking about this. We still remember the menu. 
um, it was number based. And if like you rattled out a number, I could tell you what meal it was. Um, but I worked at one restaurant for like a really, really long time. So it was, we did that for a long time. So there was a guy who ordered um, uh, a number four, which is like a strip steak, uh, but it's a smaller strip steak, right? Uh-huh. And he would order it cooked. I still to this day, it's a weird, cooked in lemon juice, which I've never heard of. It looked gross. It sounded gross. Um, So he would come in, same exact time. You could probably even put it on before he even showed up. Did it look gray when it was cooked in lemon juice? Oh, it looked awful. Yeah, Yeah. I I don't know how anybody could eat it. It was awful. Um, There was another guy who would come in, and uh, he would order uh, a T-bone, not a porterhouse, a T-bone, and then he would instruct us to select the T-bone with the largest filet, even though it's a T-bone. <laughs> and then he, he wanted it, uh, he always asked for it to be medium well, but he never wanted it medium well. He always wanted it to be more well. So he'd always send it back, no matter what you did. So either like you picked the wrong one or you cooked it to the wrong doneness, but it would always come back. Um, so it was T-bone guy, there was uh, the lemon juice guy, and then there was porterhouse guy. The porterhouse guy was the craziest one of the bunch. Uh, and at the time, we had 32-ounce porterhouses. They're big, thick-ass steak, Huge. right? This is a big steak. Yeah. And he would order it 30 seconds per side, which was appalling, right? Right out of the freezer, right out of the – oh, yeah. It's just right out of the cooler, 30 seconds per side. Never once send it back, ever. Wild. And they were all they were they were all part of my. You had your other guys that would always show up at like order the same exact meal. I was never a regular kind of guy. Maybe more as I get older, like uh, I I tend to go back to the same things. But people, <laughs> it was like same restaurant, same time, same meal, same server, same everything. Nothing ever changed. And I Amazing. I would go five six years and have you know a slew of people that fit that category. It, it is incredible. I mean, and, and I, I remember, and I guess you're right. Every, every restaurant has some of that. You know, I remember there was one couple who came into the first place I ever cooked, um, who always came in. They each got a martini to start with, and they were there for three, four hours. You know, it was like their one night out of the week, I think, really. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so that was, it was probably date night. You know, so they, they'd go in, they'd each get a martini, then they'd get a bottle of, of, uh, of a, a, a white wine, and they'd each have a glass of that. Then they'd get their, their apps. I mean, they just turned it. It was a restaurant where the food was really good, but it wasn't this like fine dining place. And mm-hmm. they kind of treated it like it really was in the way they worked it. And but they also they tipped really well. They were super nice. You know, I mean, it worked, it worked well for everyone, I guess. But uh, I, I think that's the double-edged sword because I never worked in a restaurant that served booze. It obviously it didn't mean that we didn't have that. Like with the the cooks, and like your world gets built around the people that you work with. And when yeah. you're in restaurants, there's obviously there's there's going out your party, and these are all your people. Then all of a sudden, you you didn't know any of these people, and then a couple of months in, this is like everybody that you hang out with. So, you know. Of course, I'm sure everybody that you talk to, there's like a drinking, a partying culture. You know, obviously yep. there's a drug culture that comes along with the the people that work in these environments. But I never worked in a restaurant that served it. I've had I have plenty of friends who worked in restaurants that served it and said it's a whole different kind of experience being in that environment. Well, 
that's also on the table because then you get a whole different kind of customer that you're dealing with at different stages. Yeah, you do. I mean, because then you, you also then just get customers who are there for the bar and that's yeah. it. And they may eat some too, but that's, that's not really why they're there, you know, is for the food. Right. Yeah. It does change things. You're right. Um, I, but it's, it's interesting though, what you were saying um, earlier, because I was going on with this. So I, now I don't work in restaurants anymore, but I have this thing where um, I'm, like I maintain a very even stress level, right? doesn't matter what you throw at me. I'm not easily thrown, right? It, I can handle a lot of work. Yeah. It doesn't bother me, right? I, I and, know, dude, I've watched you for a lot of years. You really, you are pretty darn impeccable in your ability to cruise through things. I, I can tell yeah, working I, with you, I could tell when, when the stress is hitting you some, but it's still nice and even. It's... <laughs> I... I, I just, I find that I can manage it well enough, right? But I, I work, now I work with a whole bunch of different age people, people from different countries, whatever. So like the folks that I work with right now, um, uh, I have I have some younger people that work for me. So they're in their early 30s, late 20s. And it, and it runs the spectrum between people who can kind of like handle stress and people who can't handle stress. But I kind of agreed with what you said earlier of, like, I think everybody needs to work in a restaurant and like get that, like, cause mm-hmm. you don't know what stress is until you're in that environment. And I feel like since I've left restaurants, I've never been stressed because I've never had that kind of like, <laughs> like that pressing intensity that you have where you just can't, you can't hide from it. Like in every other environment you can hide from it, but in a That's restaurant, true. it's like, it's there and it doesn't matter how much is on on you at that moment more will come and you can't you can't push it aside you can't say i can't do this right now like it still has to get done so it's like that i'm cooking nights i i I remember the i still remember the worst one it was a saturday night and like i said we worked grill and you'd have two guys on grill on a normal Saturday night, but um, for some reason, you know, somebody ended up not being able to come in and we were shorthanded and we had, it it happens. It does happen (laughs) in this particular instance. um, (laughs) So we were, we were shorthanded and I ended up having to work grill myself. And it was, it was one of the damn busiest nights that we've had. So it was like 800 people we ended up doing that night. And I was the only guy working grill. So, you know, chicken, steak. I didn't have to do, I wasn't doing fish. But, so it was primarily just grill. Um, but in it, we had, I still remember it. I still remember the sound. I still remember the feeling. I still remember all of it. Those where tickets. like right behind me, yeah, right behind me was the, the ticket machine. And the tickets would go over so we had like the 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 cooler right behind us that would be like a, a hip height cooler that yep. you'd reach into um and then you'd pull the tickets off and then the row of tickets would be in front of you so you know pull them off throw them up there wow. like two full grills completely stacked both sides top and bottom probably like you know at any one point in time 40 checks in front of me another 20 checks behind me with that damn printer still going, going, going. Yes. Constantly spitting it out. And I, and I, and I, I kind of, 
like secretly, I bit, I relished this a little bit because I, I joked about it before with my son when he started working in the restaurant about uh, about the the. I mean, I know Kitchen Nightmares is a TV show, so I'm not trying to clone it, but literally like the kitchen nightmares that you would have of like the vivid memories of being up all night just trying to like fall asleep, but you can't fall asleep because you still think you're working, and it's it's so it's real enough that you're not sleeping and you just hear the damn, you hear the printer. And I used to have it when I worked dish room too. It's like, I just imagine like I'm, I'm like ramming dishes through. And then I look and like down the hallway, there's just dishes all the way down the hallway and there's more coming. And I had those for like, I had those obviously the entire time I worked there, I had them. And then when I stopped working there, I still had them. And it was like PTSD for like five years after I left where I would still have them in my, my son just had him. He had his first one not that long ago where he had one of the dish room nightmares. He must have came off a bad night or whatever. And he he said he just could not. He was, you're sleeping, right? But you're not sleeping. You're not comfortable. Right. It's just like that anxiety. And never once since I started my like my professional marketing career has there been a moment where I was thinking to myself, man, I can't get caught up. <laughs> or if I couldn't get caught up, it was like whatever, I'll get there. (laughs) That is so, so true. You're right. Because there's something about being in a kitchen where, you know, you've got this line of tickets in front of you. And then there's a stack of tickets at the end that hasn't even been pulled out to go onto the line and more coming in. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I give a lot of props to people who work the tickets and are able to handle all of that while producing food at the same time it's uh that was that was how we worked it yep like when you're um like the well the the broil stations the grill stations the fry stations like uh, the grill man would have the tickets um and you would you would manage all that and then the other guys would come off your tickets so you'd have to juggle you know how it is like you know i gotta put this one on here and that's got to come out are these lined up right or else i don't want to be done before he does and you juggle so many of them and there's no parallel right there's no i can't think of a parallel in a working environment that has a stress level like that which is why i i feel like that's what kind of got me to that point like everything else i've done since that has not been anywhere near it and it doesn't mind it it doesn't at all bother me what's riding on the work or the decisions or the projects it just never feels like there's any level of intensity compared to what i was used to back then yeah i think you're right kind of a like a a crafting moment for like you when you're growing up yeah i think you are right is there's a lot to that no, but there, you are right. I think there is truth in that, that. That's why I work in the front of the house, the back of the house, whatever it may be. It does change just the way you deal with it. I, I remember back in my sub shop days when I was doing those, um, having at one restaurant, at, at four restaurants going, but I had one that I was running for a bit because I had a manager who, for whatever reason, decided he was done and he just left, (laughs) headed out. So I took over that restaurant, it was restaffing. I found myself, it was probably like a Thursday night or something at probably 8.30 or nine at night. No, it was probably a little earlier, but there was this big power outage 
in uh, like totally north of where we were that went up uh, into, into Chapel Hill. And it was early enough that I think everyone basically had no power. They all decided they were all going to go find somewhere to eat. <laughs> and they got in their car and we suddenly had this line that went out the door and, and down the side of, of the, uh, the building of people trying to come in and eat with me. And at that point, one other employee, and that was it. And um, so I'm taking orders while producing orders, one employee trying to get the food out. And it was the same mm -hmm. sort of thing with the tickets, just flying in, flying in, nothing he could do. Um, I even recall uh, calling uh, uh, my, my wife at the time and she brought, um, she brought my son in who was like one, not mm -hmm. even one, put him in a high chair in the back of, of the kitchen to help out. And he's just back there wailing, screaming, unhappy, doesn't want mm -hmm. to be there. That's just compounded. I just remember sitting there thinking, come on, just keep going, keep going. Oh God, the line's getting longer. Keep going, keep going. I'll get through it. Come on, you can do it. It was just unbelievable. Just, you're right. There was just this pressure that <laughs> there's nothing you can do. You can't leave. You got all these yeah. people there waiting for you. It's, uh, yeah, and, and, and you're right. You get into the marketing world. And um, you know, for anyone listening, both Jason and I, we worked together you know, at a, at a big biotech company for a while, and you're still doing that. I've kind of slid out of that now. But um, right, even if there's pressure, it's never the same. It's not that immediate no. goal that has to be solved right now with somebody watching you. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know. And there's no room for error either. I, that's the other thing is that you screw up and it comes back. You do it again. <laughs> that's, that's it's exactly a, right. But yeah, that's the I, last thing you want is for it to come back because then I, you have to stop whatever else you're doing and try to fix it. I, I, I really do genuinely feel that way, though, that like that that time somewhat crafted my ability to operate in any environment, regardless of what environment that is. Um, I, I, I would also say that for the most part, I fell into the category of, you know, I, I would personally, I consider myself to be, I mean, I've done personality tests. You know, you have to do that kind of crap when you work in a marketing team. I'm an introvert in every single test. And uh. I think, um, you know, when you're in that kind of environment, you also learn to kind of like, work through yourself a little bit and you know how to how to talk to people and you know the that all just kind of happened in that environment which wouldn't happen in a lot of other places i'm also glad that like i was i was back of the house too i i think if i was front of the house it would have been a, a very different world for me i i know me like uh I have, yeah, you know, I have clients, uh, you know, you and I, we've had clients that we worked for together and that's, uh, that, that retail side of the world where like you're, the customer's always right. I would not have dealt with that well. 
<laughs> at least I could bitch and complain in the background if somebody <laughs> sends something back that I don't agree with. And I still have that, which I'm thankful for, right? I, I don't have to I don't I don't have to be as politically correct perhaps and, and that's the one element that I was happy that I never had to deal with in restaurants. Like the, the people part I'm sure would have been really tough for me. I I also remember waiting tables. And it was interesting. There's one restaurant that in the summer, we just, we did so much business that, you know, it was, it was an hour wait for food always. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother-in-law, I spoke to recently and their takeout wait right now for food is often over two hours. Jeez. They're just, they're so busy. It's crazy. Must be good. It is. It's a good restaurant, but it's just so, so busy. But with us, with that hour wait, you know, and you're waiting tables, you got to keep dealing with customers who, I mean, it's fine to bring them that, that extra round of drinks or whatever it is. But after that, they're, they're done. And there's not a whole lot you yeah. can do, you know. Well, my, I, my wife, the server, uh, over the years would routinely give me the, uh, the running excuses that she would toss at customers for why things were late. It was always the back of the house guy's fault, right? It was oh, the cook totally. lost something or, you know, something else happened. That Your never... ticket got lost. I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't. I Like I said, I, I have much like everybody who's ever worked in a restaurant has fond memories of the time, right? Uh, if you would ask them while they're in it, um, they they don't have fond memories of the moments like as they're living them. But I yeah. think like anything, when you look back at it, you're like, yeah, that was a good time. You're like good people, you know, but when you're in it, man, it was a, it was a whole different story. I did quit. I think I quit twice. Um, and came back everybody quits right you have to quit a restaurant too that's part of the part of the journey just you've had enough you know screw it i'm out and then you come back (laughs) even even some of those are kind of interesting i mean i remember working at a country club at one point and um one of the servers who was just totally over it unhappy with the whole thing in full uniform working there just kind of middle with numerous tables going, just kind of said, um, he even told his tables, he said, I'm very sorry, but I hope you have a good night. I'm leaving. And he walked out and got on the diving board in his, in his outfit and everything. And like did kind of a swan dive into the pool. Wow. Got up and left, you know, impressive. Yeah. You know, (laughs) he wanted a proper exit, I guess it was, uh, I, I mean, I also went, I, I was, I did all that. It, it's hard to think about what it would be like today because everything's really, really different today. Um, you know, when we did it. I mean, that was kind of how you built your circle, right? Like I said, everybody that I knew was, was there. It's, um, you know, I met my wife there. I, I had, I still have people that we talked to that uh, were friendly from, uh, from those days. And, I don't know if it would be the same kind of experience. Like my kid works at a restaurant and he's not, not like friends with the people that he works with. He just, he goes in, punches the clock and then goes home. I, I don't know if it's the same as it would, as it was when I was there, but I guess he hasn't really been doing it that long. Yeah, that is interesting. I think about that. I have my younger son, uh, Jack does a, he does delivery driving for uh, for Panera, 
but I guess he's a little removed. At times, they, you know, if they're short-staffed enough, he may help out with some things in the restaurant. But for the most part, you know, he's he's kind of he's always waiting for that next delivery to go. So it's not mm-hmm. the same experience. You know, he'll he's getting a little taste. Yeah, and he, I think he gets to see what the folks in the restaurant are doing. But even now, it's such a funky time because, you know, they're they're just they're not. You know, that's a lunch place and yeah. they're not doing enough business. I mean, the, the tickets aren't flooding into that kitchen in the same way that they used to probably. Well, not to mention, like, I don't, do you have, I'm sure you have like a Chick-fil-A by you, right? Oh yeah. Uh, doesn't everyone? <laughs> well, this is new for us, right? We just got, we just got Chick-fil-A, like we're talking six months ago or something oh. like that. All right. But like, I know we were joking earlier about like, oh, it's always understaffed. Like I walk into like Chick-fil-A and there's like 20 people behind the counter. Like, how do you even work in that environment? That would drive me nuts having to like, so they must have like you, you, like one person, like you do fries, like you person over there, you're toasting buns. I'm like, how the hell do they have that many people? And I was thinking back, like in, in back in my day, um, you know, it would have been like three or four of us back there with the same amount of customers going through. I don't know if it's, and this is where I do feel corny saying things like this, like back in my day, but it's like, are they really, is this really about like, it's just the softer generation that has a different level of what's a work ethic compared to what we grew up with. And like, or is that just my interpretation of what it looks like? Yeah, and that one, you know, Chick-fil-A is an interesting creature, so to speak, because they are at least the ones around here. And I'm assuming that's probably somewhat nationwide in the way they run. I mean, their training is so good. The things that their staff members say to you are, are all kind of correct. And at least around here, it's, it's amazing. You know, everyone seems mm-hmm. to be relatively, even if they're a kid, the way they speak to you seems somewhat adult even. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just they've, uh, you know, they, I, I just think their process is really good. But you're right. They have a ton of people working. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't know. Again, I, I talked to the, another friend last night um, who... Uh, I, I I did one of these calls that started at 10:30 last night. Started. <laughs> started at 10:30 once he got off work. <laughs> so. I was a, I was a second shifter um, because most of my time was when I was in high school and all through college and everything. Um, so most of you know most of my high school years uh, it was you know after work or in on weekends and then when I got into college it was I was more on like the four day a week. 40 hours jammed into those four days where I would work doubles or whatever. Um, or I, you know, I, I jammed in as many hours as I could because that's how I was making money to get through college. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I was, we would routinely, it was one, two in the morning, something like that, but we would be starting at like five or six. Yeah. Well, luckily I wasn't waiting to talk to him that late last night, <laughs> but you know, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you his little bit on it, which was kind of interesting because for him, he works in a kitchen that normally would have five or six guys in it. And it's a restaurant I know in Virginia Beach. Great Sunday brunch. You know, it's somewhat informal place, but they get five or six guys in the kitchen. And he said, because of 
the occupancy in the restaurant is down, you know, fifty to fifty percent right now. They can't sustain the full staff in the kitchen, so they have two guys that work it now, covering all the stations, and um, and and they and they do that seven days. You know, yeah, they they have no choice. It's it's the only. That's way kind of how. Like the the place my kid works at the same way. Like where we're at, um, it's outdoor dining only, and yeah. I I could move my camera. There's snow on the ground outside, <laughs> so there's not a lot of outdoor dining happening in Buffalo in December. But it's funny. It's funny I, though because Buffalo in December in the old days. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> they have um in the forecast. It's supposed to be in the 50s, and um at his restaurant this weekend um. They have a they have a patio with heaters on it and patio is going to be open. They gave him a call and they said, "Can you come into work this weekend?" <laughs> and they'll hey, open the patio and people will go. Um, yeah. But everything so everything now is is takeout only, and you know we we feel obviously you feel bad for the places that you normally go to, but it's like you can't eat out every night. Number one, you want to support as many of the local places as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you can't eat out every night, nor do you want to eat out every night. Uh, but we get takeout from these places. And every time I go there, I can't imagine, uh, the cut in business that they take. Uh, it's yeah. gotta be well, well under, um, 25% of what they were doing before, even at half occupancy. Yeah, it it is interesting. Yeah, I've, I've talked with numerous numerous friends. Some are, are owners, others you know employees, or some are managers, and um, some of them have been able to ramp up their takeout business enough. I mean, my brother in law was one where their their takeout business is just killing it. And as he said, you know, at some point, he envisions us all going back to more like normal life. And he said at some point, well, at some point, but he said the one thing that he's hoping is that they can maintain the takeout business and then get the full dining rooms going again. I mean, the jump in business for them would be incredible. Yeah. And then I've, I've got another friend who's, uh, who's got some top restaurants in the area and they're like everyone else where they're at 50%. And it's just, uh, it's just, it just crushes them. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and these and he's working hard to make sure that staff is taken care of, that if people need tests, they can go get tested, that they're following every sanitation element possible and trying to do more than necessary. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think they've done some decent takeout business, but it's just it's not the same. They're a finer dining restaurant. And at yeah. least for me, I mean, I feel like supporting those places, but but fine fine food, it's a lot <laughs> different to get that as takeout. <laughs> than, yeah, you know, I mean, Jason's place is is tacos and all. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a whole different world. Yeah, and even the food itself, like uh, we have a couple places that that we go to, and yeah, you sit down and then somebody brings it right off of, right out of a pizza shop right by us. And it comes right out of the pizza oven. It's fantastic. And when takeout, it's not bad. Like it's still good pizza, but man, is it great pizza when it's right out of the oven? You don't get that. You can't, but what are you going to do? You can't, I, it's not their fault. Um, There's no way around it really. No. And it is funny. And I've, I've put a fair amount of time 
into i've got another friend who uh we've been, we've been talking about trying to establish a fund and 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 you know doing trying to figure out some ways that we can pull kind of the the restaurant community together and um mm-hmm. and part of that would be trying to think of can we can i come up with other takeout packaging can i come up with other way you know just trying to brainstorm to figure out ways that we can somehow serve the food differently while being <laughs> so properly socially distanced and all and yeah. it's just, uh, you know it's it it's just um i guess it's so far from what we all know in a restaurant it's hard to envision how it could take place even well, we're so used to the experience, like you were talking about earlier. It, it, the trade-off is anymore isn't, you know, do I want food from that place or not? Is, um, you know, what am I getting out of it? Right? I can, mm-hmm. I can cook something at home, um, and great, I'll have, I'll have a meal, we'll eat, we'll all be good to go, or I can get takeout. But that trade-off anymore isn't about like that experience that you get along with going out and having a drink and relaxing, like it's not as easy. You're still having to do work to get you. I mean, like I said, snowing outside, I gotta, you know, I gotta change out of my pajama pants for the first time in weeks and, you know, hop into my car, brush the snow off, drive over there, pick it up, bring it back. And then, you know, hopefully you got home quick enough that it's still hot and you can enjoy it. Uh, it's, it, it isn't the same. You still do it because like I said, there's enough places that we really enjoy that you want to support them, but you can't recreate, an experience like that the same way. I mean, we've been, how we do, we deal with it in just normal stuff, like in marketing, like we're not doing uh, events anymore. So we have to try to figure out how the hell do you create an event when you can't have an event? Yeah. How do you, what, what, what can you do with a virtual event to get true interaction, to get, you know, to to also single out people and discuss things with them. To I mean, there's so many pieces of it without being able to be there in person. Yeah, I don't know how how you do it. Here's what I would do. I got this. I'm a marketer. That's why I, said that. <laughs> I got this. Uh, so we've done we've done a whole bunch of. Um, th- this may sound telling, but it's not. It, it doesn't. Hopefully, it doesn't pin me down too much as uh, as a as a one type kind of person. But we've done a lot of virtual drinking, a lot since this started. Yep. Uh, you know, virtual beer tastings, virtual wine tastings. So here's what I do. I would do actually. <laughs> I would do a virtual dinner party where like you sell, because what they want to do, if you're, you're a restaurateur, especially fine dining, what I would do is I would, I would build a package of like a, a, a three, four course meal, right? You know, the starter, uh, you know, what the drink pairings, main course, whatever. And uh, you build it in such a way that like you can, um, you can package it and send it out to people and, um, when you have like people that are separated, they can't be together, physically be together. You could do like a, like a party, like a zoom party kind of thing where the chef comes on and then they do like the wine tastings and pairings. And then they kind of introduce the meals. So you kind of like build in a little bit of an experience to it. So the restaurant, the restaurant itself can sell like a big order Mm -hmm. because you're selling a party instead of selling like a single thing now. 
Um, and, and then you kind of have some of that experience attached onto it because even for like one of the things that I think you get with fine dining is that you get a lot of times, right? The, the chef will come out or somebody will come out and like yeah. talk to you a little bit about, you know, here's the pairings, here's the guy who actually made your food, here's where the actual, you know, you know, seafood came right out of whatever these vegetables we got from this farm. Uh, like you could recreate that, but then you give, because legitimately the other problem that you're solving is you're giving something, you're giving people something to do. <laughs> we don't have anything to do. Um, so like you could, I like, I like the idea of a virtual dinner party. It seems like something that would be fun. I think the virtual it, it, dinner party could work well. I think the piece that you left out in that is so so say you you and, and Jen are, are going to be you know you're going to enjoy this dinner party you need probably one of your children to serve the food to you just to help <laughs> complete the whole thing you know I do like that yes that's yeah. never happened but I do like it <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I don't know what you do with those I mean uh, there's been um there's been a couple local restaurants who have done who've taken like the um, to the uh, kind of shift the model a little bit instead of being um, you know customer uh, you know waiting for customers they've gone more aggressive and and taken the approach to be like a service food service provider for say like first responders so they would go to like a local hospital and say you know we will prepare meals for you and we'll have them like ready for you almost like a, they become a cafeteria style Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was an interesting shift in a model, which, you know, needed some kind of shift. Um, it's not going to work again for fine dining, but it's going to work for, you know, a sub shop or something like that, that totally. like we need customers. They, I think you could do it too. Cause a lot of schools um, have had to shift to meal delivery where they previously would have used the school to be able to kind of provide meals for some kids as part of meal plans. So how do you like get involved in some, some kind of model like that, where you end up being like a core service provider that generates just regular business. I think that's the other model. Yeah, I think you're right because yeah, it it probably does depend a little bit on the level of dining but for a lot of places, you're right. You really could do that. I mean, it's just it's it's being proactive, and I think that's all that most of these places can do. Is you've you've got to change. You you're right. In the old days, if you built it, people might come. Now they're not going to. You know. Well, like I said, you have outdoor dining still, right? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, it's we're we're in the 30s, you know, or the yeah. 20s at night. There's no snow. That's the one big difference for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't yeah. even have that. So there's no, like right now, until we're on the other side of this. And it's funny too, kind of these worlds collide. Like we we literally were in vaccine production. We're working with like a lot of the customers yeah. who are actually making them. So I mean, I'm very optimistic about being on the other side of this relatively soon, relatively, right? And it'll be you know, a story in history books that we look back in and say, yeah, I lived through that, but um, we're not that far away from it. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's it's hard saying, you know, just wait it out, but hopefully fingers crossed, right? There's, you know, some subsidies or, or government funding that allow these people to float a little bit longer because that's what needs to happen. Yeah, I think that is the only option. It's, um, 
I, I don't see another way to, to, to get at it, you know? So, yeah, it is interesting. And I'm, I'm going to, I'll cut away from the restaurant thing just for a little bit. So, you know, I've, uh, you're in the biotech world still got other friends, some of, you know, you know, it's folks you knew. Um, it's like I said, you know, for everyone listening, we used to work at the same company. Jason left that company. Um, I have other friends who left it. They're all working at different places. And so it's interesting. You guys are kind of like, I don't, I don't know what you're working on may not be directly a part of, you know, what's, what's going on with vaccine production, but at least you're hearing about it in the background because you're, you're oh, yeah, we're directly involved. Yeah. yeah. Our, our customers, our primary customers are, are the same ones you're hearing in the news on a regular basis. They buy stuff from us. So um, right. it, it doesn't mean that we're any closer to information. I mean, we knew, we knew what they had in the pipeline relatively early because we had to help get them set up for manufacturing and everything. Um, but uh, it is, it is, I, I was saying this to my team because sometimes like I have a lot of marketers who, you know, didn't come from science backgrounds at all, but um, I mean, we're literally like, you know, the vaccine that's going to end up getting injected into your arm was made in one of our pieces of equipment, which is pretty damn cool. Um, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> and it, that's something that, you know, I hope I never have to say again, <laughs> yeah. given the circumstances that we're all in. But um, I mean, it, it, I do have a, a level of pride in kind of having some part of involvement. That was why I was in science in the beginning, um, is that I, I wanted to have some level of impact and it's tangential like you know if you if you manufactured a piece that went on to the to the shuttle that ended up landing on the moon you know how much would you be how much would you be proud of that i would be pretty damn proud of it if like yeah. my little piece of it was was part of it i think i totally i hope my teams um and, and everybody across the company kind of shares in that that like we we feel like we've played a, a little tiny bit of a role in it and that's enough for me to kind of at least take pride in the fact that I do feel confident that we will get onto the other side of it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, you do kind of hope that people will realize that, realize the kind of, you know, on some level the importance of it. Um, and I am glad to, to see that, that that matters to you more because you're no longer working out of the mouse house, if I remember that correctly. Yeah, I did my time in the mouse house. That was my that was my uh, punishment. You you may say, actually, I should add that is the only other time that I had work nightmares was from the mouse house for different reasons. Um, but I spent a lot of time in the mouse house. Yeah, I, I'm glad to be on the other side of that. When Jason and I first we had we had a couple of businesses we ran together years ago, and I remember on on occasions. And it was two, what was it? It was over two years before we actually met each other. At least, yeah. But, um, but I do remember having to call you at work on occasion. Mm -hmm. And I'd call up and they'd say, oh, well, hold on. He's out in the mouse house right now. You know, <laughs> and they'd, they'd go out and get you. And <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, not my fondest memories either. 
saying that's part of research, right? Uh, you kind of have to do it, but I don't miss that. I don't miss that time at all. I pro- I'd probably take cooking, uh, cooking on the on the steak line over working the mouse house again. Uh, they're 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 not the happiest to see you, number one, and uh, they don't smell great, and uh, it's it's dirty. It's yeah. definitely dirty work. Um, yeah. Those were the uh, those were the good old research days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say, and and you're right. The the, the cooking thing, um, and we can probably wrap up pretty soon. But I was just, I have times every once in a while now where I'm cooking, and I get enough things rolling on the stove, and I look back. It just reminds me of say of doing saute where you're sitting there with you know, with 12 burners in front of you or more than that. And and all of them have pans going. You've got other dishes that you started. You might have another 10 or, you know, six or 10 sitting up above, you know, or sitting, you know, all waiting until somebody says, all right, fire, whatever it is. Then those come back down, get other ingredients. It was just the flow behind some of it. It was just kind of this beautiful thing when it's working when it's working working. that's the only way you can get through all those tickets but uh you know it was yeah i agree there was a there was a i i remember i do remember that 800 person night that i was talking about early both with disdain and a level of fondness that i did it um which is part of which is part of it right i i i actually pulled it off and i think I remember to this day I had one uh, one refired ticket out of all of those. It was one of my shiningest moments. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad, not bad at all. No, no, it wasn't. I, I'm not sure I'll ever reach that pinnacle again. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I do have to jump off. Um, I got yeah, another. My marketing world has recollided with me, and I got to jump off for another conversation. <laughs> it's, it's all good, Jason. I, I appreciate you joining me, man. This was fun. It's good for us to catch up too. So, yes, it is. Yep. Well, cheers to you, good sir, and uh, have a lovely uh, have a lovely afternoon. Have a good and have a good Christmas. Tell your family I said Merry Christmas. Yeah, you too. All right. All right. Later. Yep. See ya. Take care. Hey, my friend, thank you so much for joining me on the Restaurant Reality Show. Please remember to tell your friends that these shows are available to listen to for free in any, and I mean any app that supports podcasts whatsoever. I hope you enjoyed this interview, that it's enabled you to let go of all the the stuff that life seems to be throwing at you these days as a little bit of fun in your life is an essential thing. So now go on, enjoy the rest of your day or night, and please remember the following. Take care of your local restaurants as we really need them in our lives.